Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Shane Benson. Welcome to another episode of the Launch University Podcast. I'm so excited to have with me today Brian Coley from Real Experiences and as well as co-host David Farmer. Hey Shane, good to be here with you. Great to be here. And Brian, it's great to have you. Hey, what a great opportunity. I appreciate you. Well, we're excited to have you because you do some really unique things in I, the marketplace. I, did you get the pun? Did I know. Just, uh, straight out of the box, man. You said oh, really. Yeah. Oh, but that's R-E-A-L-L-Y, <laughs> and Brian is the real experience, R-E-E-L. That's exactly right, and um, I love the jokes right off the bat. This is going to be a lot of fun, so um, so appreciate you taking some time out of your day to, to spend with us, and I, we got a lot to learn because um, you are helping a lot of people learn a lot of things about themselves, which oh, wow. I think is awesome. Who knew? Okay, and, um, here we go. So, but it's done in such a unique way. Yeah. Um, just real quick, how about let's take the next maybe two minutes and just talk in general about what Real Experiences is and what you guys do yeah. and the value that you add. Shane, can I jump yeah. in on this? i got to tell this one little story real quick before Brian unpacks that for us. A few weeks ago, my wife comes home and she goes, I've got something we have got to do. I'm like, that always scares me. Well, I, but, sorry I, about that, Mallory. But no. that's just <laughs> Listen, what I love about that is I've actually had so many people in my life say specifically to uh, Matt Bradner, big shout out to Matt because he has been just encouraged me. And then David Sayers and Will McFadden have all said, you have got to meet Brian, you've got to go through this experience mm. with your team, with your family, with your spouse. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And so it's taken me too long to get together, but I'm so glad that we finally created a, the beginnings of a great friendship, yes. and I'm excited to hear more about what yeah. you're doing. Well, she's telling me, we've got to do this real experience, and so which was totally new to me, Brian. I didn't okay. know. So she starts to unpack it, but then I come back to her just a few days ago. I said, Mallory, we're on it. Brian's going to be a guest on the Launch University podcast. There Relax. <laughs> it's all under control. That's right. Well, I feel like this is kind of a good segue. Yeah. And because like a good movie, we've set up enough tension I say, right now. Everybody's what like, is what this? is real experiences? Exactly. So help us through that. Talk about what you guys are doing yeah. and um, how you're helping a lot of people. Well, we just stumbled upon this. We used to work with screenwriters and uh, playwrights, and we'd help them find their voice and figure out the script that only they could write. And so we used this methodology of figuring out what moved them. And what ended up, you know, they came back with was sort of their favorite movies as far as what moved them. So we used to use their favorite movies as a means of brainstorming and unpacking kind of the story that only they could tell. Fast forward, and I try this on normal people, and it just kind of blew up. People were changing their lives based on these insights that were coming out of their movies. Well, I had been doing, I'd been in story for about 20 years. And so it was like an oil well just kind of started coming out where I was just like, well, let's try conflict and see what conflict looks like in their movies. And let's look through the lens of change, or let's look through the lens of character or desire. So all these things that I would work out with writers, we just started applying it to you know normal people. And it just... The insights that were just kind of flowing out of people's movies was just insane, you know, and just so really So let me personal. get this right. The, the essence of this idea yeah. is I share with you m some of my favorite movies. Yes. And you then look at those movies and analyze those movies 
as to some insights into my personality? Sort of. So okay. I'm not the movie whisperer, okay. uh, although I, <laughs> I can do that too. But uh, it's more self-discovery. So we create an experience. Um, so a lot of work we do right now is with corporations where we bring in teams, a lot of teams from Chick-fil-A, uh, SunTrust, Southern Company, all these companies come in. And we do team development where we just look at people's movies as a means of allowing them to see themselves, see their story. So, you know, just from pure, like, practical level, you know, if you think of all the personality tests, you know, the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram, we're another way for people to look at themselves through their movies. But we're also, uh, we found one of the primary values is people being seen. So the ability for people to really be able to visually articulate something about themselves and allow their coworker to have a movie to be able to reference that. And then, you know, when you go back to work, you're able to go, oh, yeah, you're Rocky and you really care. You have, you know, like we were just with a company uh, last week where this guy who's like this top A real estate sales guy, he's admitting that he's Rocky and he has all this self-doubt, you know, like and he shows this clip, this scene of all the self-doubt that Rocky has. Everybody in his whole team were blown away because he's the A guy, right? He's the guy out there who's just like number one. They never knew the self-doubt until he was able to articulate that through his movies, right? And show it through a movie like Rocky. Well, people aren't going to forget that. So we've just found that uh, real has just been this you know, revolutionary idea that we've stumbled upon in which at the, at the core of it, is kind of any way that you're needing to connect with someone, whether it's in marriage, whether it's in, you know families. We've had families go through it. We've had married people go through it. We've had veterans coming back from war. We've had youth trying to figure out their identity. We've had parents and children trying to understand each other. Anywhere where in this very disconnected world that we live in, where you're trying so hard to connect with people, we're able to use movies as a means to uh, to do that, and I would say the the biggest thing is is when as I'm talking, I'm thinking, you know, I'm editing myself as far as what people are thinking about it, and because we're constantly getting perceptions as to what you know people think we're meaning, and a lot of people think what we're doing is we're showing a movie and saying, hey, you know, here's Shawshank Redemption, and this is the principles you should learn from Shawshank Redemption, but it's not, you know, it's people's top ten movies. And so people are bringing their movies, they're bringing themselves to the table, and we've never seen a top 10 movie list be close to being the same. So it just speaks to their thumbprint and actually the way God has really like designed them. And so this is the secret. I don't tell this to many folks, you know, and I'm not going to tell it on the air like this, but when people give us their movie, they're actually giving us their heart. Mm. And, um, and we are just stewards of that to be able to allow their hearts to be seen by the people that they care about so they can work better together, so they can have better marriages, so they can have so better that's, families. It's not, I shouldn't be ashamed of the fact that I would cry in like a movie like Avengers. Not at all. It's, not, it's, it's part There's of no my judgment. heart. Yeah, Shane, exactly. I, like, that, yeah. Right? I really wish we could just sort of do you right now because I, no, right? I know you're struggling. You're going, am I Batman? <laughs> am I Luke Skywalker? I, am is, I The Rock? Who it, am I? It is interesting. <laughs> I mean, I, I've gone through my top ten, and there's a lot of like superhero com, you know, nice. characters in here. And I'm like, okay, what is that saying? Right. I don't know. So Marvel I've got to get with you soon. Marvel has gotten me yet. But <laughs> hey, no one's figured me out. Um, yeah. I will say, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people like right now are like, stop the podcast. I want to go do this because yeah. if you're not careful, and you've talked about this a little bit, I mean, some might throw this out as novelty. Exactly. Um, what yeah. have you learned in that? Um, because I think there's something about this 
this visual, um, mm-hmm. this b- ability to connect with visual story that's yes. pretty powerful. But how, how would you respond to the the, yeah. the idea of it being a novelty versus a really good way to give some yeah. insight? We've had to really fight that because you know a lot of people come and it's like a one and done. They think we're the escape room or we're the ropes course or something like that. And and I've tried to explain to them that you know there's just so much. Like I've been doing R and D on my top ten, which has not changed for five years now, and I'm still blown away by some insight that God gives me out of my top ten. You know, so it really is. I I compare it to National Treasure, where all of a sudden, you know, the movie National Treasure. Oh yeah. Where all yeah. of a sudden, uh, you know, Nicholas Cage character finds out that underneath the Declaration of Independence is a treasure map, you know, and it's been up underneath their noses all this time, you know, they just haven't known that when they walk across the, you know, and look at the Declaration of Independence, there's this treasure map underneath, and so that's what we are trying to help people understand is it's not like a one and done thing that like, there's like a treasure map to your story in your movies. And I've struggled over the last five years personally, like, you know, as far as I I know this podcast is around kind of helping others learn, like, I've really struggled for my own self to say, is this legit? Like, you know, I don't know, sometimes you have ideas and you're like, oh, is this a novelty even to me, you know? And suddenly I'm going, because this was a left turn out of my career. Like, I didn't mean to do this. I didn't mean to, you know, I was going to make... Help people, you know, make movies with screenwriting, or else I was going to make a movie, you know. So the idea of taking people's movies and helping them was like totally left field, as well as what we're doing right now. So to me, it's taken five years for me to like go, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Like, this is really like changing lives. And it's just been the fruit of it that's convinced me, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. It's that old adage, you know. Don't try to get God in on what you're doing, like get in on what God's doing. Like that's been kind of the journey where I've had to go, okay, this is overwhelmingly like fruit that I've begged for all my career. I always wanted to make a movie that was like Shawshank Redemption, right? That touched people's heart, that penetrated their hearts, that you know they'd have conversations with afterwards, they discuss, well, you know, why not just use Shawshank Redemption and then allow it to tease out what is in their heart or Dumb and Dumber or Anchorman or, you know, any of these movies that touch people and they go, oh, this is just entertainment. And I go, wait, wait and see, you know, you chose this for a reason, whether it moves you to laugh or moves you to anger or moves you to to, you know, say amen or anything, you know, like there's a reason for that. So it's the novelty aspect of it is there because I think people think movies and they think novelty. But when they come and experience what they do, what we do, you know, if I can get them in the room and see the level of insights that we're able to draw their, their top 10 movies, they're like, oh my gosh, I never knew this could help me with, you know, alignment in the workplace or collaboration in the workplace. I mean, all these words that I'm doing now, like uh, I never knew I was in emotional intelligence and I never knew I was doing, uh, you know, diversity and inclusion. And I never knew I was doing all these words that now HR people telling me I'm doing. I'm just a movie guy. But as I started seeing the way that it affected people and allowed people to be seen, it was like, okay, this is much more deeper than just the novelty that even I kind of believe yeah. about this. Right. That wow. makes sense. Can I dig in a little on something yeah. you just said, Brian? You talked about um, this was not necessarily the course you saw yourself on. So right. There's this pivot. You said yes. it kind of came out of left field. Having been through that, yes. If we've got a listener that may be in kind of a similar place, yeah. 
what would you tell somebody that may be starting to sense they need to go in a direction that wasn't on their radar screen before? How do they test that out? How do they figure out, is that real? Yeah. So I really do believe it's the fruit. You know, um, I, I really do believe that when you start, for me, it was all about the fruit of it. You know, I guess to give you a little bit of a background towards that, I felt like that real for me was um, really helping writers and helping artists and so forth. And so when it started working with normal people, I was like, well, that's great, but I don't want to find myself someday doing corporate training or find myself someday being a being a person who's, you know, uh, helping, being a movie therapist or something like that. I don't want to be like a life coach someday. That so for me in my head, the reason I resisted it as a as a you know as an entrepreneur at that time was because I gave myself a vision of what I'd end up being, right? Versus allowing myself to see the fruit of it and just embracing it and going, okay, well let's just go with this a little bit further and see where it leads and see how it's. It's actually teasing out my gifting. And what ended up happening is I, I just did this recently. And this I, I, when I tell my story now, I use this. Um, I went back and I looked at my senior year in high school. And I li- looked in my uh, scrapbook at what people wrote about me. And um, what was interesting was I have two sides of my uh, personality, which I found in my movies that comes from like George Bailey being very big significance minded. He wants to go change things. He wants to build things. I'm... I'm, uh, you know, Billy Bean in Moneyball. I want to change systems, you know, like that's me, uh, very dominant in me. The other side of me is just like George Bailey, where I want to invest in people. I, want, I really want to like make a difference in touching people's lives, like right there and then. And so uh, I went back to my high school scrapbook and there was this quote that was uh, written by this artistic director of a theater company. I used to do theater in my youth. And he wrote this quote that said, Brian Coley will one day be a credit to American theater. Like he's going to change American theater. And I'm not saying that to brag upon myself. It's to say that he birthed in me that big significance minded, like that idea of George Bailey going to build things. Here was somebody doing that. At the same time, there was a, uh, a lady who I went to Governor's Honors in Drama and her, uh, when I looked, read what, what she said, it was, O'Brien is especially attuned to community. He's especially attuned to artists and community and how they're, he's able to read a room. He's able to, to get insights into people that is very rare within the artistic community. And when I saw those two things, I looked at both sides of myself and I said, here's me being, be, being very big significance minded, that being built into me. And here's somebody identifying that need for community and need for insight and building into people. And I woke up one day and went, oh my gosh, that is real. That is exactly what I'm doing because what I'm doing is on a regular basis, I'm having people sit in front of me and I'm actually building their community and building community out of what they're, you know, where, where the space that they're in. But also I'm creating insights with them. You know, I'm really teasing out their insights and who they are. And I'm touching their lives right there and then in front of them. If I make a movie, I'm just at the whim of, you know, people coming into a dark theater and leaving a theater. I don't know if it touched their lives. I don't really know based on box office whether it moved them in any way. But I can sit there and take a person's movie that means something to them and actually draw out insights that are moving them. And I'm like, wow, that is insane. So all of that to say that I look back at my high school years and I go, here is something that God placed in me that was part of who I was 
that I've been kind of running in different ways. I've been making movies. I've been helping writers. And there's elements of that that have been there. But when I look at real, I go, oh, my gosh, this is God bringing this, these two sides of myself together that was planted way back in my high school years. And it was a process of me opening my eyes to that and going, success to me is not about you know, what I'm going to, whether I'm going to be a life coach or whether I'm going to be, you know, successful from the standpoint of making money, all that kind of stuff. Success for me now is the fact that I've been able to blend the two sides of myself that are in tension with one another mm-hmm. in the most impactful way. Like I'm able to pull them together like chocolate and peanut butter and I create Reese's Pieces, right? And I believe that's now my new marker for success is taking what's inside of me and these two aspects that are inside of me and bringing them together as a dimensional human being to bless the world. So I love that. And uh, first, I mean, the first note is um, I probably needed other people to write my yearbook because <laughs> the feedback I got was have a great summer and good luck with the ladies. <laughs> so I didn't get that deep sense of who right. I was back in high school. but. Uh, what I hear in that the is... The ladies part worked out pretty good. <laughs> and the ladies, I did. I did end I up with a really nice... I don't know about have the say. whole journey, but the, he ended up in a good spot. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. But I, I think it's fascinating. What I hear you telling people out there is really spend some time figuring out what your purpose is. Mm-hmm. Um, where does that align with perhaps your faith, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps your, your vision of who you want to be and how you want to impact mm-hmm. the world? And having that alignment and then the tension associated with that. Like yeah. there's there's purpose, but then there's talents. There's things that you bring to the table. And if you don't wrestle that conversation first, you, you may find yourself wandering for a while. That's right. Um, but trying to make that step, it's important to hit the pause button and wrestle those two tensions. And where does where does where do you feel like that's directing you? Yeah. So, Brian, as you look back, how did you make that step? When you figured that out, when you read that annual, and you were mm-hmm. like, "Okay, here's my yearbook," and um, you know, it clicked. What was the step that you had to take to kind of get out of what I would call the corporate world and say, "I'm going to be an entrepreneur"? Did you? Was it a small step? Was it a little step? Was it a big step? Yeah. So um, I guess you're talking about kind of early in my career when I I, I used to work at Turner Broadcasting. Mm -hmm. I worked there for 12 years. And so I was a part of corporate culture. My I grew up in theater, went to NYU film school, so it was a natural you know, uh, game for me to go straight into Turner, and um, it was a wonderful years at Turner. But I was starting to take a very left-brain track at Turner. I was, by the time I was leaving, I was like looking at new technology for the company and implementing it, you know, as far as a new media technology. So I was like in software development, you know, it was like crazy non-creative stuff, although I thought it was pretty creative, you know. But... Um, I just remember at the time I was uh, going to North Point Community Church when Andy had just started. Well, actually, it was before North Point, so it was in the first Baptist days, actually, when Andy got up on the stage for the first time, and I heard him speak, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I've never heard somebody make the gospel accessible. That was the word I I used. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't about being relevant or anything like that. It was just accessible. Like, I want what I saw in media and art at the time, especially Christian stuff, was a whole lot of things that weren't accessible to a mainstream. You know, they were Bible robes, movies with dogs, you know, apocalyptic tales, uh, priest characters. Like, that was the extent of bad acting, melodramas that were preachy where everybody walks the aisle. Like, that wasn't me. That wasn't my faith. And so when I heard Andy, I went, oh, my gosh, how do I take that, that 
level of communication and use that with art. So I had a really passion at that time, you know, like I was driven by passion. This was back in the 90s in which postmodernism was at its height. So there was a lot of dysfunction and disillusionment and gray and movies. And and I was like, where is the hope and the truth, you know? And so we started out as a a writer's group. So we started as a writer's group uh, that quickly I wrote the first play and we got a barn and put on a show. And so we went to the 14th Street Playhouse in Atlanta and I realized we needed to be out in the mainstream community doing works that had a Christian worldview. And um, so it was about at that time that I reached that place that I think you're pointing to where I was like, okay, Turner, what do I do with that and where I'm going with my career? And then I've got this passion, but it's a nonprofit. And then to add more tension to that, I have my first child. So it's three months in to my first child, and I decide to quit Turner Broadcasting with my nice salary and my nice benefits and to start a nonprofit, which all of this tells you how wonderful my wife is and how uh, patient she was. And a mutual friend, David Sayers, I was in his basement, which is where all good ideas and things launch. And he said, uh, along with my first board, they said, we'll give you three months salary, and then it's up to you. And so I had three months salary, a three-month-old baby, uh, and I quit my cushy job and started a nonprofit. But I just felt so passionate about the lack of what I saw out there. I was, For me, it was like that idea of vision is all about what do you see that's not in the world, you know, and how are you feeling, filling a void that's not in the world? And so I saw a clear picture of how we could, you know, revolutionize what faith looked like in intersecting uh, with uh, film and, and uh, theater. And so we launched a theater company and, um, and just started to grow from there. But there was, uh, the funny thing was, I went back to Turner, so this will help the entrepreneurs out there. I went back to Turner and I said, I'm quitting. And they said, will you stay for another year? We'll pay you twice as much and you can work twice as, you know, like half. And I was like, sure. (laughs) And so for a year, I was able to work half with Art Within and then half with uh, Turner. And then there came the day of the burn the ships moment where, and it was literally that that metaphor that changed it for me. I, I Somebody had relayed that metaphor to me about the idea of burning the ships. And so there was a day in which I finally cut ties with Turner and uh, went full time with, with Art Within. So, Well, we talk a lot yeah. about uh, with launchers, uh, depending on what you're launching, to always think about what does the prototype look like you mm. know, understand the problem you're trying to solve yes. and then mess around a little bit yes. fail a little bit that's right the, the advantage that you had early on is you knew uh, your passion for mm-hmm. storytelling yeah. and you had a chance within your career to actually fail and mess up and get and, and you know really um, tweak your craft yes um, so in, in, in many ways you leveraged your experience <laughs> in an organization to help you with your craft and so um, and some of that was experimentation right and so yeah. then when you did make the jump which I think is significant you were ready yeah. um, although it was scary yeah absolutely you were actually ready to do that because you had some of these experiences that's to back correct. that up that's really a, you know, a good principle w- with what you're saying right now I, I want to be <laughs> kind of vulnerable in this in that sense that I feel like my whole career has been one R&D experiment you know like I've never felt like I'm still waiting for the day for one of my ideas to grow and and blossom. Like, uh, and I think real is finally that you know. So if if there are people out there who are like, 
you know, like me, where I, you, you feel like everything you touch is always in startup mode. And I'm a creative, so I'm really willing to go to the next startup mode and the next startup mode, right? And I think that's a little bit of a fatal flaw in me is that, you know, I'm, I'm not the maintenance guy. I, I, I definitely have felt like I need to move on to this next thing. So we launched the theater company. Then we started working with writers, playwrights. Then we started working with screenwriters. Then I made a movie, you know, and all of these things never kind of blossomed into like what you think of a company that blossoms and grows and has massive revenue. And I've been longing for that, right? And I think real is that first thing where I felt like God has said, this is, this is the thing that actually is going to grow. And so I've had to discipline myself to go, now you're in an idea that has to like get over the honeymoon of the startup mode. You've got to mature, Brian, and being ready for the growth mode. Mm. And, um, and that's a change for me because it's, it's hard for me to discipline myself to go, okay, this is going to take like five years probably. Oh, man, that really sucks. I don't really want to, to think I'm doing this for five years um, and we haven't done the next stage of it or the next stage of it. You know? I think that's a really sound principle there. I love the way you said it. Get over the startup mode. Mm-hmm. Like there's a point where you have to go, This is if this is going to be a legitimate business, right. i got to get past the whole startup and things are fluid. I, I may have to actually put some systems, some processes right. in place, but there is a point, there's a defining point where you go, okay, i got to start treating this like it's going to be, what, like what is this going to look like five years down the that's road? Um, and that's something I think that listeners probably need to hear. That's yeah. great. Can I build on a point you just made, yeah, Ryan, yeah. as well? You, you said you felt like much of your life has been kind of an R&D experiment. Mm-hmm. I want to contend that we should always have some part of our life, at least, that's in R&D mode. That's right. And so for our listeners, I would say, think about it. Where's the R&D happening in your mm-hmm. life right that's now? That's good, yeah. If not anywhere, I think that's probably not um, not probably in your best interest. I think you're right. So, you know, I don't think your point is you don't want to stay there forever. You know, you right. want to feel like you're kind of getting traction. You found that sweet spot, the, the place where the chocolate and the peanut butter do come together. You yes. have to make some magic. Uh, but we need a little of that going on all the time yes. um, to figure out what else is out there. How can I grow? How can I evolve? Yes. So we have a good friend of ours, uh, Dan Cathy. You may know him. He's <laughs> the CEO of Chick Fil A, but he always talks about how he always asks for the student discount because he's always a student. He, he's always learning. He's always in R and D mode, oh, and, and I that love that. Now. You yeah. know, I love that. So, so good. hey, real quick, as we kind of finish up, you know, you, so you've had both these worlds of of being an entrepreneur, yeah. um, taking all these ideas within an organization and figuring out how to become better within the enterprise, as well as an entrepreneur. Looking back, so a lot of our listeners are currently entrepreneurs, and they may be they may have a side hustle, something on the side, or they're thinking yeah. about launching a business, or they're just, to be honest, they're like me. I, I enjoy being an entrepreneur, but being creative and doing it. From your experiences, now that you're this successful entrepreneur, <laughs> okay, you yeah. are. Yes. Well, now I'm that you're the successful entrepreneur, what would you take back? What have you learned that you would take back? Yeah. And what advice would you give to entrepreneurs like myself and David and others? Or your former Turner Broadcasting self. Yeah, or your, that's yeah. a great point. What would you bring back and tell yourself as an entrepreneur based on what you've learned? Yeah, so I can tell you the moment that it happened. Um, I was raising money for a movie. I'll try to make this real quick. Uh, raising money for a movie. Uh, we had set a time bomb on the amount of money that we had to need to raise. Um, it was, you know, like 
almost $2 million. Let's just say it was $2 million. And we needed to raise that by a certain date. Uh, we got to like, let's just say, 1.7 of that the night before. That's how much we got. And then we wrote checks to everybody the next day to give them back their money. To not make, and I thought the movie was dead. I thought we were not supposed to make the movie. And so I went on vacation, and I felt like God was saying, no, you're supposed to make the movie. You're supposed to do it differently. You're not supposed to do it the way that you thought. And so went back. I told my investor this, one of my lead investors who became my executive producer, and he was like, Brian, I think you're picking up something you're not supposed to be picking up, or you really need to check God on this. And if you're going to go this way, then you need to go get like a good, you need to get an actor attached or something that gets that extra 300000 that you can come back to those investors that you had the money with and say, now we've got you know this actor in the movie, and so now it's worthy of three hundred thousand more, and we're going to make the movie. So I spent three months trying to come up with that story and work my butt off trying to go. Okay, I, I'm going to try to get this attachment or this attachment so that it was worthy of going back to the story uh, to the to the investors and say we've got this now. Put in your money back in now. And I felt like God was going, no, that's not the way. That's not the way I want you to do it. And what he told me was, is this is the principle. He said, use what you've got. Just use what you've got. And so what happened was, is I wrote a letter to all the investors, and I said, I know this doesn't make any sense at all. Like, this is not a great investment scheme. But by the way, investing in a movie is not really a good investment scheme. So if we're going to go ahead and do this by faith, let's do it by faith. And so I remember the night that my whole family, we were at our pool, not our personal, our neighborhood pool. We all jumped off the pool as a family and said, we're going to make this movie for whatever we have in the bank. And that's what I told and wrote to the investors. I said, I got three weeks. Whoever's in for whatever money you're going to put in, that's what we're going to make this movie for. So within uh, three weeks, we had one point like one million uh, back in the bank. And we went to go make a movie for $1.1 million. By the time that we were done with the movie, people had put in more money, and it was about $2 million when we were done. And so the principle that I would say out of that is oftentimes I believe that what we – or the thing I learned most is I'm always waiting for, like, the thing that gives me the ammunition or that gives me the worth that I need or that gives me the thing that says, hey, I've got this attachment. I've got – you know, this person aboard and now I'm ready and now I'm worthy or now we can do this. And God showed me in that moment, you know, the principle of just use what you have. Look around you and use what you have and use whatever I've given you. Don't look for more in order to start doing what you're what you're supposed to be doing. I'll provide what you need as you need it. It's a great principle. But you've got to just step out at some point and use what you have. You know, to build on that, it's like use what you have, do what you can. Yeah. Start where you are. Right. Use what you have, do what you can. And it's like um, really interesting because I, I do think a lot of people out there are waiting for, well, I can't do this project until exactly. I have these resources. Exactly. Or I can't start this until I get sign off from up top. But honestly, it's like start where you are. Use what you have and get just get started. Exactly. And I do, I do think that's an entrepreneurial principle mm-hmm. that's a really sound advice for the entrepreneur, it's like, oh, don't wait. Just like lean into it a little bit and, and use what you have to get things started. Exactly. And people are drawn to momentum, mm-hmm. and exactly. oftentimes they'll see some some cre- you know they'll see you using your creativity and you're getting some traction, and they want to join alongside that. Right? They yeah. want to go where the momentum is. So thank you for sharing that. That's great. I, I guarantee there's a lot of people out there like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna take that back and. 
I'm going to use what I have. So yeah. it's great. And I think people undersell what they do have. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So they don't really don't see... Don't underestimate the, that. Yeah, they don't yeah. see, oh, well, I do have a relationship who is this, or I do have this connection that's this. Yeah. Instead, they're looking for that other connection that's the bigger connection, that's the bigger star or whatever, you know. So anyway. Brian, I can't thank you enough for spending some time with us. Oh, uh, your you insights guys. have been awesome. I, I do think there are people out there that would love to stay connected with you or possibly go through one of these real experiences. How can they connect with you? Yeah, so uh, real experience com is our website, and that's probably the best way just to go look at us and see what we're about. Okay. And um, just, you know, you can send in, uh, or you can just email me at um, info, what is it? <laughs> info at, re- you can just do my personal email, Brian C at realexperiences.com. That's even better. That's even Brian better. C, okay. Brian C at realexperiences.com. Uh, and that is, again, me. spelled R-E-E-L. R-E-E-L experiences. And we're out there on Facebook and all, all right, social fantastic. media, too. Yeah. Shane, I've started making my list, so I don't know where this is going to go. <laughs> I can't wait till I go through the experience myself and figure out how do I reconcile. I got Ocean Eleven, Austin Powers, The Bourne Trilogy, and Princess Bride. What does yes. that say? Oh, I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait. Well, we can't I do wait know to... you slept through Batman, so you don't put that one down. <laughs> yeah. okay. All right. I was there. All right. um, hey. I was really tired that day. <laughs> I, know. I know you were. Um, Brian, thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate you, you being here. It's been great. And as a reminder, we are really here to serve you as launchers. We're all trying to launch things in life, right? And whether it's a new career, a new opportunity, that next project, and it may be a new uh, a new business venture. But either way, there's a place where we are and there's a place where we want to be, and we're trying to connect people to other launchers so that we can get there. And um, we're so, so blessed to have you join us today, and uh, we just appreciate all of you guys are out there that are listening send us a review give us uh rate this podcast tell us how we could get better we're super interested in that and as always we will see you the next time on launch university thanks for listening to the launch university podcast we hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker be sure to subscribe on itunes and leave a review for more helpful resources visit launchuniversity.com